welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. That's no joke right there. There is power in the name of Jesus. He breaks chains, lifts strongholds, things that are holding you back, the things that you think are a detriment. God is saying, no, I'm going to use that. Watch how I defy the obstacles. Defy all of the odds to show you that I am here and I'm with you and I'm for you and I got a plan for you. We declare that power today in Jesus' name. Yeah. Man, thank you for being here with us. You can go ahead, say hi to some people, grab a seat, air high five, say what's up. But we are so thankful to have you here with us today, hanging out in a high school that we call Soul Revival Church. I love it. Thank you, sir. Man, sometimes I feel like I just do that all day. We don't even need to talk. Let's just worship. Because there's something about that, just feeling the presence of God. God always speaks to me through music. That's always been the case throughout my entire life before I even knew Jesus. There's just something about music that we can connect with. Because God created music. And it is an incredible way for us to remind ourselves of the truth of God as we get to sing and declare it. Now you're just going to be walking around. That's the power of the name of Jesus. It's going to be written on your heart this week. You're going to be like, you know what, whatever I'm facing, that's the power of the name of Jesus. I got trust in him, and I know that he's got me. Man, woo, I'm pumped to be here. Who else? Lots of victories already had before we even stepped into this moment. Some of you had to fight hard even to get here today. Maybe you were having car troubles. Maybe it was just self-doubt in your mind. You're like, you know what, this is not for me. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to try a new church. I don't want to be a stranger in a new place. But we are thankful that you had the courage to come here because we are believing God has something for you. He has something for each and every one of us today. And I can't wait to see what that's going to look like. So if you got your Bible with you, I'm being Matthew 13. If you don't, that's cool. We'll end up throwing it behind me. But uh, before we do, just want to let you know, the Bible is not something to be intimidated by. We always want to share this with you because some of you might be like, yeah, I've never opened that because I don't want to have to read a bunch of rules for a God to love me. If, and if I don't follow them, that I'm not allowed in his presence. And that's not what this is. The Bible is a love story about the God of the universe that created us to spend eternity with him. But he gave us free will, and because of our mistakes, it separated from him. But that's not the end of the story. He sent his son Jesus to die so that we could be reconciled to him. And this is that love story about Jesus coming for us. From the Old Testament through the New is all pointing to Jesus. Can I get an Amen. Matthew 13, I'm going to read verse 10 to 11 right now. It says, The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, The knowledge of the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. This is a verse that I want to speak to today, but it's also going to be the umbrella for this entire series we're kicking off today called Mysteries Revealed. Mysteries revealed because Jesus often spoke to people through parables, through metaphors, and it revealed things about who he was, who his character was, and the plans that he had. So we're going to get to unpack some of those parables. Some people are like, yeah, I just read the Bible with just straight up words that say it, and I'm having a hard time understanding what it says. Anybody ever been there? I've been there. But we trust that God is going to reveal through his Holy Spirit what he has to say through these words and how we can learn and grow from it. And as I think about different metaphors in life, yesterday morning we had a men's soul connect group. How many of my fellas are in here that were hanging out? 
Yeah, it, it's a great Soul Connect group. Like, we're about community. We are better together. So Sunday mornings, we love having you with us, but the fact that we get to connect bi-weekly, we have a men's group, we have a women's group, we have couples groups, but every other Saturday, we meet at the main project on State Street, and yesterday, we had a great time together, and some of the fellows were hanging out afterwards just eating some breakfast and started talking about sports and participation trophies. Everybody gets a trophy. But then we got like, we, we went deep with it though, don't worry, I'm going somewhere. Because as we started to talk about these participation trophies, we're like, man, sports is about life. Some of you are like, I don't care about sports. All right, bear with me. Just believe me and trust me. Sports is about life because we get to learn how to lose and win. I'm always telling our boys, we have three boys, Matthew, Micah, and Malachi, they're nine, seven, and five. Matthew's hanging out with us today. What's up, little man? He's like, can I come to big church today? I said, yes, you can. Yeah, he's been on the truck this morning, came to help us pick up the trailer. I love that little dude. But we're always playing sports with one another, and I don't let him win. He can attest to that. Because I feel like it builds character when you lose, but it's also important to learn how you lose. But I also think the day when it will come soon, when he beats me in some one-on-one basketball, he's only nine now, and like, kid's got skills. And when he does it, it's going to mean something so much more when it happens. But we live in this culture where it's like, well, let's, we don't want to hurt everybody's feelings. We don't want these kids to feel devalued. And I want kids to feel valued. But then when they hit the real world and they realize, wait, what's this thing called failure? I got a new job. I wasn't doing well. And my boss didn't give me a medal. <laughs> he put me on a plan and said, hey, you got three months to get it together. We don't get medals just for participation in life. And I was like, man, God, thank you. You know, sometimes I'm thinking, what am I going to talk about for a story? And sometimes he puts things on my heart. And yesterday, just having that conversation with the fellows, I'm like, yeah, this is something we need to talk about because it's important. It is a great metaphor to life. And as we are studying and diving into these parables or these metaphors that Jesus shared with people to help reveal who he is and what his kingdom is about, I think that's something we can keep in mind as we go. Is that cool? So I'm going to bring us to Matthew 13. We're going to start at the beginning, 1 to 2. And it says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. That same day he had been in a house and he was teaching people and his mom and brothers came and showed up and his brothers at the time thought he was crazy and they're like, Hey, tell him to come out here. Your mom and your brothers are looking for you. And he points to his disciples and says, No, these are my brothers and my sisters. Like, that's who I'm with right now. But anyways, this is what happened next. I know sometimes we're like, oh, where are we starting? Now we got a good feel. We good? I'm going to take your word for it. Thank you. So he sat by the lake and such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. This is what's incredible about Jesus. Like for some of you, you might say, I don't know. I've just encountered lots of Christians and it made me not want to go to church. Well, A Christian is not a representation of Christ because Christ is attractive. Christ loves people, and he loves them and is so intriguing that everybody was showing up. These large crowds, they didn't all believe in what he was talking about and what he was doing, but they wanted to hear what he had to say. They wanted to be in his presence. They were just drawn to him. You ever hung out with somebody and you're just drawn to him? Like, man, I want to hang out with that person. That's how it was with Jesus. People are just drawn to him for good reason. 
Then he told them many things in parables, saying, so this is our first parable, this is what we're going to jump into today. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell along thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. If you're taking notes with us today, the title of this message is, So What? S-O-W. So what? Would you pray with me? God, I thank you that you are here with us today. I thank you that you've got a word for us, that you want to speak something to us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help me get out of the way, whatever it is that you want to say to people right here and right now, or maybe on the other side of a screen or weeks from now, whatever that is, that I wouldn't hinder that, but that it would be your voice being heard clearly. We thank you for the privilege and honor it is to gather in your name and to celebrate who you are. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm basically just reading you the Bible today, and I'm just going to break it down, because I think that's important sometimes. Because if Jesus shared this parable and he thought it was important, I think it's important for us to unpack it and ask ourselves what he's trying to say to us through it. So Matthew 13, 10 to 11, the verses we kick things off with today is the disciples came to him and asked. So he just shared this parable, and essentially they came to him and said, hey, what did that mean? We had no idea what you're talking about, some seeds and birds and weeds and all that kind of, like, what does it mean? And when Jesus lets them know, like, the knowledge of the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. This is an important place to pause because some may read those verses and go, man, so why would God want to keep anything from somebody? Why would he want to do that? And that is not Jesus' heart. He knows that there's people with hard hearts, so that's actually grace that he's speaking with when he speaks in parables. It's actually because he loves people so much that he speaks in parables, because his heart and his desire is that if there's people with hardened hearts, he doesn't want them to become harder. You ever been there? You've just been mad at God and someone comes to you and be like, hey, can I pray with you? No, you can't pray with me. I'm mad right now. Now, if you're that person asking to pray with them, don't stop. That's not about you. Because prayer has power. There's things God wants to do through prayer. But that's what happens is that when our hearts are in a hard place or in a bad place, when you hear certain things, it might make your heart even harder. So Jesus, thinking about that and wanting to impact people's lives and share about the kingdom of God, but also to protect people from getting further and further away from him, he would use these parables. And that's what he's speaking to his disciples right now. See, when Jesus shared on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. He's sharing with people that right now your heart might be in a different place, that you have the ability to ask God to allow you to get close to him. You have the ability to ask God and he will respond when you're pursuing him. Might not always be in the timing we'd like. But I know that he's got a purpose through it. And it's believing and trusting that he's working and that he's moving. So as he's sharing these parables, it is not to tell people they're not good enough or they can't hear or this is not for everybody. He's saying, I want everyone to hear. 
I want everyone to know about the kingdom of God and the glory that's coming and the freedom that they can have in me. But I'm also going to share it in a way so that it doesn't further harden hearts. Man, Jesus is so good. And it continues, whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. This is from Isaiah 6, 9 to 10. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. Again, he's sharing this. And he's not saying it because I'm going to withhold something from you because you're not following me. No, he's just saying, look, when your hearts are hard, it gets worse and worse. Life does, challenges do, things that we're facing. See, when living in the kingdom of God and trusting him with your life, the joy and purpose he has for you will continue to reveal itself. When he's working in your heart and you're allowing yourself to be in his presence and you're going after him, he will start to reveal things to our hearts and it will multiply. It will continue to grow. But just like it, when we continue to dismiss the presence of God and pursue our own kingdoms, is when we start to see our lives impacted for the worse. Think about it. When you're feeling anxiety or depression, you're like, you know what, I'm just going to put that song on that they know how I'm feeling and it makes me feel miserable, but for some reason I can't stop listening to it. Anybody ever been there? And I got it on repeat and I'm just sobbing because my heart is hurting, but it's hurting more and more and more. So Jesus is not saying here that he's going to take away the things that are good in your life if you're not pursuing him. He's just letting you know. He's giving a warning so that if our hearts are hardened and we're not pursuing him, that as we experience pain and loss and tragedy or our addictions that we get caught into a cycle of, it'll get worse and worse and worse if we don't go to him with it because he's saying, I'm the answer to all your problems, but you got to just come to me. That you can ask me, that you can seek me, that you can knock. I was sharing with our team this morning, like I'm ready to bang on some doors because I want to see how Jesus wants to work in my life and the lives of the people around me. What can that look like if we trust in him? Man. Bottom line, what you feed grows. What you feed grows. So if you say, I got a relationship with Jesus and I'm going to spend my time in his word each day and I'm going to spend my time praying and and talking to Jesus, you start to see your faith build. It's like an exercise. You get stronger and stronger. So you have confidence even when bad things happen, when vehicles don't start, when you're late to work and your boss might be mad at you because you know that there's a plan for it. See, but when you feed the darkness... When you feed the hurt and the brokenness, when you feed the things that just cause you to step more and more away from God, the pain just gets harder and harder. And I know because I've been there. I spent almost 22 years of my life running away from God, trying to pretend like he wasn't there. And I got into all kinds of trouble. Been arrested for doing dumb stuff. I didn't plan on sharing that. I just felt like someone needed to hear that today. Like, you can make mistakes and God will still use you. He's looking for available people. 
And I love the stories that come from brokenness. I love the stories that come from tragedy. I love the stories when we start to trust in God that he can turn the most disastrous things in our lives into things that will not only glorify him, but change the lives of the people you come in contact with. That's what he wants to do, and that's what he's talking about here. Matthew 13, 15. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts in turn, and I would heal them. Man, they're just hurting so much, and their hearts are so hardened. God is so good, he's not going to force you into something. He gives us free will. We have the opportunity to respond. He is always there, though. He's always there, and he is speaking to you, and he speaks in a small whisper because he's that close. But we've got to make that decision to turn to him. To ask, to seek, to knock, to say, God, I want more of you. I want to be in your presence. I want you to transform my life. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. He's saying, look, for thousands of years, people were just waiting for the Messiah to arrive. And he's letting his disciples know that I am here. People have prayed for this and longed for this, and you get to experience it. Because his death and resurrection and the sending of the Holy Spirit, we all now get to live in that power and that authority. We get to live in the presence of God with every step that we take within our lives. He will lead and guide us. But are we willing to let him? So what? What does this all mean? The disciples didn't understand the parable either, so they asked Jesus about it. So he shares these truths about it. And he's letting them know that if they have hard hearts and they're callous, they're going to be getting further and further away from me. But people like you who are allowing themselves to receive that are seeking and looking for me, i got something for you, and I'm willing to explain it. And he uses other people to do that too. Sometimes you might not be able to explain things or understand them. Hang out with some people. Have some conversations. Talk about Jesus and his word. Talk about even the concerns you have within your life or the misunderstandings you have. That's cool. We can be vulnerable because not everybody knows everything except God. That's what's so incredible about who God is. Some people are like, well, why did this happen or that happen? And I go, you know, I don't have those answers, and I'm thankful that I don't, because what kind of God would we serve if we knew everything about him? If he is above all things and knows all things, and we knew it too, we'd be putting ourselves on pedestals, acting like we're gods with our many little kingdoms, and that's what gets our hearts so hardened. But having trust, having faith, having belief in the things that we don't see and saying, God, I trust in you, so what? So what happens next? And Jesus responds to them. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. See, Jesus talks about three different people, three different areas and ways that were impacted through this parable. And the first is the enemy. And he'll snatch things up. See, the seed is being sown. It doesn't matter where the soil is either, but the enemy is trying to attack. He's trying to get there before anybody else does. He is threatened by the seed regardless of the soil. Snatches it right up. 
In our backyard, we have these little dead areas, just dirt. So I bought some seed and I just laid it down. Thinking, all right, God, I'm watching it grow. We laugh, but the next day I'm like, why is there no grass? It even rained and the sun is out. Day two, why hasn't it grown? And I see these little birds coming. They're just eating the seed. Like, no! Seed can't grow. That's not even there, right? But that's how the enemy attacks us. That's how he comes after us. He's like, you know what? Before that seed even has a chance to take root, I'm trying to snatch it up. The moment you feel like God's calling you to something, he'll put some doubt in your mind and be like, you're not good enough. And he'll try to snatch that seed right up so that you don't even start. You don't even try. I'll use the sports analogy that I started with. Think about an NBA team or NFL, whatever sports team you want to think about. But when the opponent before you play is already trying to talk junk, to derail you, to make you feel like you're not good enough and you lose before you even enter the arena. Anybody ever performed athletically and had that happen? For us, nobody? Okay, well, I'll share my story. <laughs> Pee Wee football, the Bills. Who knows, some of you might have even been part of that team or knew somebody who played on it. But the team was a beast. They whooped everybody. They won the Pee Wee League Super Bowl seven straight years. Chris Maragos was on that team. I ran a 99-yard touchdown against him, though, let me tell you that. But before the game even started, the whole entire team was always crying and scared. Our team would quit before the game ever even started. And that's what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to get us to quit before we ever even start. He's trying to snatch up that seed that's being planted. That seed is the kingdom of God. That seed is what God wants to do and reveal himself to us so that we can live out a life of fulfillment and fruitfulness. But the enemy's trying to snatch it up. And that's what Jesus is talking about. That's that hard path where the seed is just sitting on it and these birds are coming and snatching it up. He's like, that's the enemy coming to take it. And he continues, the seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. See, the second attack is scorch. You know what's really interesting, too, is like the sun is a powerful thing that will help and is needed to grow any type of plant. But if you don't have the right soil, that same thing that's good can scorch it up. But it's because the soil isn't what you need it to be. See, because I got a little bit smarter when I saw the birds eating it. And I'm like, well, wait a second. Maybe I just need some more topsoil. Go to Home Depot, topsoil, that'll do the trick. So I just shoveled a little bit over the top, you know, put some seeds under it, in the middle of it, on top of it. I don't know anything about growing grass. I just know that my wife didn't like the dead spots. So I'm trying to be a good husband and fix it. And then grass starts to sprout and I'm pumped about it. And then all of a sudden it's just gone. Got some kids running around in the yard and it's just gone because there was no root to it. And some of us hear about who Jesus is, we get impacted in our hearts here on a Sunday, but because we don't want to put in the effort to dig deep enough, to cultivate the soil enough, 
that as soon as something bad happens in our lives, it's snatched up. We give up and we quit. We're like, forget about it. So the enemy is trying to snatch it, but the things that are scorching it are actually self-driven. It's our own flesh. It's us thinking that we don't have what it takes to pursue anything different. We did a whole series called Winning the War on Your Mind to kick off the year because it's that important to dig trenches of truth within our minds about who God says that you are. Because if you allow yourself to believe the lies that you're telling yourself, you're not going to dig deep to have the type of soil where these roots can grow deep so you can grow in a relationship with Jesus. They'll get scorched right up before it even had a chance to really sprout and to grow into everything that it has for it. I'm not trying to discourage anybody either. I'm trying to encourage you the same way that Jesus did that by sharing the parables that he did because we've all fallen into those scenarios before. You're not alone in it. The same, same sports analogy. Let's go there, right? You get ready to play, you got the butterflies. Sometimes that can lead to an awesome game because you're just pumped, like I'm ready to go. But other times you get so much self-doubt in your mind, it has nothing to do with the enemy or what they're doing or your opponent, and you're just like, you know what? I'm having an off game, I'm broke, in warm-ups couldn't make anything, and now you're just shooting up bricks. Or even worse, airballing free throws. I've done that too. I'm not just trying to talk about highlight reels up here, okay? <laughs> Airballing a free throw. I never felt so dumb. I probably have, but in that particular moment, it was the worst feeling. But then you get into your own head and you're like, forget about it, man. I've already lost it because I don't have what it takes. Same thing with our faith. The same thing that Jesus is trying to express to us here is like, look, we got to dig deep we got to create these trenches. We have to allow ourselves to be in a position to trust in God and to get his word into our hearts so that anytime trouble comes at us, if someone starts asking about who Jesus is, we don't run away from our faith or feel discouraged. We say, you know what? I'm following Jesus now. And I don't even have it all figured out, but I know he changed my life. The power that's in your own story, you can rest on that. Like, oh, yeah, how many verses have you memorized? I don't know, but I know that Jesus transformed my heart, and I'm different now. I know he met me when I was broken and hurting, and he filled a void that I had my entire life, and now I feel like I can encounter joy. I can feel love. Nobody can deny that. But our flesh will get in the way sometimes, allow it to be snatched up, to be scorched. And he continues, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Strangles you. And this is the world. The world will tell you to go after all of the wrong things. Going after wealth, like, man, following Jesus actually costs something? Well, no, I want to look good, I want to feel good, and I want to pursue everything that the world has to offer. It's like these pro athletes that might get caught up in the game, worried about the money, and it looks like they don't even care on the court. I'm a Lakers fan, and lately I've been mad at LeBron James. Like, it looks like he's not even trying. We still have a chance. 
Everybody's quiet. The Bucks are good, okay? And Giannis is awesome. He's got an awesome heart. I love that guy. But you can tell when certain athletes, they're doing it for the wrong reasons. And when you're following Jesus for the wrong reasons, over time, you'll just start to give up and say, man, the world will just snatch you back up. It'll strangle you and make you feel like you're suffocating and you just walk away from your faith because you're like, hey, it's easier just to go with the flow. That's being in the world, but not of the world. But Jesus has called us to that. He's saying you have to live in the world, but don't be of the world. Because when you're of the world, you just start to lead yourself back into those broken spaces. When you're living with heartache, when you're living with pain. But Matthew 13, 23 says, But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. See, here's the beauty of it. When we allow ourselves to cultivate the soil and get ready for it, not only will that seed grow within us, but it'll spread. It will spread. God will say, you know what? Not only am I transforming your life, but you're about to spread and impact the lives of everybody around you. What's important about this parable and what Jesus is sharing with us is like the soil is actually your soul. And how's your soul? The soil is your soul and the seed is our Savior, Jesus Christ. That seed of that good news and it's saying, all right, I want my soul in a place to receive what Jesus has for me. And this parable isn't just knocking people and saying, you're going to fall in one of these four categories. As I was praying about it this week, man, the Holy Spirit started hitting my heart. Remember when it was snatched from you? Because you were too hard-hearted? Remember when you got scorched because you felt like you knew who God was, but you fell into the old ways again of thinking? The deceitfulness within your own heart? Remember when you felt so strangled because everybody and every friend and everybody that you knew just left you because now you're following Jesus and you're a weirdo? And you start to believe those lies? But there's that moment in time that comes, nope, I'm going to stand into the presence of God and accept who I am because I am a child of God and I know that through me God wants to help spread his gospel. That's what God wants to do through each and every one of us. But we're all going to find ourselves in these different seasons. That's why it's so important to be connected in community. Because when you find yourself in one of those different seasons, when you've got somebody that can come alongside you, that's in a spreading season, and can sow some more seed into you. Because we're all called to also go and sow the seed. So what? So what? What's next? How do I know when to sow seed or what that looks like? I'm asking Naomi to come up. I feel like it's, I didn't intend to have all these sports metaphors, but now I'm looking at my notes. I'm like, God is that good. I'm just looking at my notes. It was like three to one odds don't sound good, right? I don't gamble. That's not for me. But when I think about three to one odds, you might look like, man, it's probably more likely that I'm going to get caught up and someone's going to get snatched, scorched, or strangled. I'm just living this pessimism. 
Three to one odds, but guess what? I'll choose that one every time. I'll choose Jesus every time. The man who has victory over death, hell, and the grave and is risen from the dead and is living in heaven right now, who sent his Holy Spirit to reside within us so that we can live eternity with him. Oh, I'm pumped about that. I'll choose the one every time. I like those odds. And I'm ready for it. So as we're called to go out and then sow, that seed, don't assume the soil. Don't assume the soil because some of the people that you think are the most angry people, if you just let them know that you're praying for them or you just let them know how Jesus has impacted your life, you have no idea the seed that you have just planted. So what? Sow the good news. Sow the gospel. Continue to sow what God has done for you. I want every single person I know to know who Jesus is. He's transformed my life, and I, I believe that for our city. As we pray for revival, we want to see dead things come to life. Things can't grow if the seed's not planted. So what? I'm sowing the gospel. I'm not talking about standing on a street corner with a sign to make people feel uncomfortable. I'm saying, you know what? Someone at work just lost a loved one, and I'm going to just buy them some lunch. Let them know I'm there for them. Someone's broken down on the side of the road, and instead of saying, man, they got a cell phone, they must be calling AAA, just stopping to say, hey, you good? When you pray for opportunities for God to use you and to give you that chance to sow seeds, he will respond when you ask, seek, and knock. He'll do it. And if your motive is to love, and the love is driven by sowing the seed of love, by who Jesus is, you'll be blown away at how God uses it and what he does and the connections he'll randomly make. And then you might just say, hey, I'd love to grab a coffee sometime. I'd love to invite you to church sometime. Oh, that's scary? Guess what? I'm hanging out with a bunch of dudes at a coffee shop. You want to come hang out? You have no idea what sowing a seed can do, an invitation, what that can do, how that can impact someone's life, even walking down the street and making eye contact with people and smiling. You ever just seen someone who looks sad and you get, make eye contact and you say, how you doing today? And they want their response to be, you know, I'm having a bad day. You can just see it in their eyes, but they look back at you smiling and they just smile back because they felt like they were seen that day. That's the kind of thing that God's in the business of doing just by us being present and saying, God, so what? I want to sow it all. I want to continue to sow the seed of the goodness of God because I know what he's done for me in my life and I know how he's transformed my life and I want other people to encounter it. When you open your Bible and you read it, it says the parable of the sower. We hear about the seed. We hear about all the different kinds of people and how they respond to it. But Jesus is like, no, this is the parable of the sower. We get to be the sower. So what? I'm going to sow some seeds of Jesus today. 
sowing those seeds of our Savior today. Because Jesus is in the business of changing lives. And he's invited us to be a part of it with him. Amen. And it's important that as we look at how God's working and moving, that when he talks about the kingdom of God, this parable about encountering his kingdom, this is not a finish line. This is not, I've been saved, and now I'm good. The kingdom of God is not a destination. It's a driveway. And I'm not talking about a little short driveway where you pull up and only can fit two cars. I'm thinking like when you're driving in the country, you know those driveways that go like this up and down and then you can't even see the house and you're like, man, that's dope. I wonder what that house looks like. I wonder who lives there. I think about it all the time. Who lives in that house? I can't even see. It must be a mansion on the other side of it. When we're following Jesus, think of that driveway. The kingdom of God is the driveway. It is the path to it. Like, yes, there is heaven that we get to enter into at some point, but our lives, we get to encounter the kingdom of God right now. You want to know the second thing I think about? I wonder if they got a snow plow. They got to shovel that thing. Sometimes you might have to shovel some stuff. Might be some hard work. But you shoveling that path open so someone else can walk through it, watch what God does in your life. Sow those seeds. It might be hard work, but when you're sweating on the other side of it, but you turn around and you see a group of people walking with you, you're like, wow. I'm not Moses. I didn't part the Red Sea, but I just shoveled a little bit and look at what God did. Man, the kingdom of God is not a destination. It's a driveway. kingdom of God is not a destination. It is a directive. When Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said, your will be done, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He's talking to the Father in heaven saying, your kingdom come. It's a directive that his Father allowed him to make because we get to encounter his kingdom here and now and we can expect it because that's how good our God is. Last one, the kingdom of God is not a destination. It's deliverance. The kingdom of God will deliver you from the heartache and pain that you're experiencing. You can encounter his kingdom here and now and know that he's got a purpose for your life and you don't have to live stuck. You don't have to look at it thinking the enemy continues to snatch up everything. That your own flesh and insecurities are allowing you to get scorched. Or that this world, this cold, dark, broken world is just strangling the life out of you. No, you can say, I can spread the seed of our Savior, Jesus. I can live in that truth and I'm ready to cultivate that soil because I know he's got a plan for my life. That's where I want to be. And there's some of you here today that have never made that decision to step into a relationship with Jesus. But we want to give you that opportunity right now. We never leave a moment without giving people that chance here on a Sunday because it's so important. You might be sitting here right now thinking, yes, I fall in all those places, man. I've been seeing the enemy snatch things up. I've been feeling scorched like I just continue to feel burned in my life and my circumstances through depression and addiction, and isolation. Or this world is just eating me alive. I feel like I can't breathe. I'm feeling strangled. Well, you need to know that there's a Savior that wants to meet you right where you're at and give you the freedom that you can only have through him. 
See, when you're following Jesus, when you want to enter into a relationship with Jesus, there's no three-step process you have to follow to make it happen. You don't have to get right with God in order to come to him. God's saying, you need to come to me so you can get right, and I will help you do that because I'm the only one that can help you. God's word says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will be saved. That's it. It's just believing the fact that Jesus died for you, for your sins, so that you can have a relationship with him. So I'm going to ask in this space, if everyone wouldn't mind bowing your head and closing your eyes. We want to make this a safe space for anybody to be able to respond to that right now. And in a moment, I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, if you wouldn't just mind shooting your hand in the air saying, yes, I want a relationship with Jesus. One, you need to know that Jesus died for you. Two, you need to know that he will meet you exactly where you're at, but he loves you so much that he will not leave you there. And three, if that's you, would you be so bold to shoot your hand in the air? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can go ahead and put them down. God, I thank you so much for those right now who just said yes to a relationship with you. I thank you that as you're cultivating that soil that you were working on their hearts, that they said yes. I want to receive your love and your truth. And God, I just thank you that you forgive our sins. That they're as far as the east is from the west and that you meet us in our brokenness. God, I pray your favor and blessing over their lives. I thank you for these opportunities that we can connect with you in the way that you want to speak to hearts of people. God, we glorify your name and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Can we celebrate as all of heaven rejoices? Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.